right. Hello and welcome to Day One Pass Podcast, episode 445. I like that number. I don't know why. It looks good. Good, strong, solid number. Like a number that ends in a five? Feels balanced, yeah. even though it's an odd number. But it, it feels like an even number, you know what I mean? Because That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, it's got that it's even like half, energy. Halfway to zero, halfway to ten. You know what's funny? Um, When I was in elementary school, we uh, played a game of um, kickball, and we got separated into what day your birthday fell on. So mine falls, falls on the 12th, and so I was, in, I was on the evensies. Everyone else was on the odds. And ever since then, I've always been an evens fan. Even Stevens. Yeah, for whatever reason. Ever since then, you've preferred even numbers. My volume on, on the TV has to be even. Has to be an even number. Except for like five. It can also like be on fives. Yeah. I feel like that's more like a like an OCD trait than anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even if it's too loud or too soft, it has to be on an even number. Although nowadays, you're constantly adjusting. Because the goddamn mix is all... Yeah, what the hell is crazy. up with that? Why is mixing so bad these days? Like well, and for certain apps too, like if we're watching something on like Disney Plus, I can keep my TV like my soundbar volume at like thirty, but if it's Netflix, it has to be forty five minimum. Like Netflix <laughs> is so quiet. There's there's <laughs> multiple things going on here. Okay, I've been looking this up because it's okay. been driving me nuts. Explain it to me. <clears throat> One, you have a difference in recording techniques on the actual sets and such. Uh, I can't remember who who did this piece. I think it was like Vox or something. Um, uh, maybe Vice, one, one of the V's. Um, they did a piece on that microphone technology has gotten so good that actors on set no longer need to project or speak directly into a microphone anymore. They can have a little tiny microphone hidden somewhere in their clothing, you know, and they can now get really dynamic with their voice. Okay. And that allows them to whisper and to mumble mm-hmm. and to just not speak clearly anymore. So that's problem one. That, and that's to do with like, the subtitles uh, craze that's going on right now, where everyone wants their subtitles on just so they can understand the goddamn uh, language, right? The other factor is a lot of these movies aren't necessarily mixed for like perfect stereo speakers. They're mixed for like 5.1 surround sound. And so you need a dedicated voice channel in your speaker setup, right? If you don't have that, you're going to get poor voice sounds will be all off yeah <laughs> ever since like i used to have the issues everyone else had where it's like oh the action scenes are too loud and the dialogue scenes are too quiet i bought myself a 5.1 surround sound system and that issue has largely gone away not perfectly because i don't think my system is as good as it could be right but it, it's definitely fixed the problem for the most part where i can just turn something on set it to a volume i like and it's pretty much good that's what's happening <laughs> I actually bought my parents a soundbar that specifically had dynamic voice boosting so that they wouldn't have to deal with it. And so they, their soundbar is pretty loud. So it, they keep it around like anywhere from five to 10. Mm-hmm. Re- like realistically is as high as 10 is freaking loud. Uh, but uh, ever since I got that thing, like it seems to have pretty well solved it, but there's been the odd time where we go to use like a smart, a smart TV thing. Um, and it'll just go through the speakers for like a few minutes and you can immediately hear how quiet the audio is like the specifically the narration. Yeah. TV speakers are pretty much kind of bad. Um, I wouldn't recommend using those for your, (laughs) for watching TV nowadays. Anyway, uh, Matt Lawrence is here with us. I I introduced you guys. How you doing, Matt? Doing all right. Yeah. Uh, Tim Spence is here. Hello. How you doing? 
Oh, I'm killing it. Uh, going to start off the show with some gaming fun facts brought to you by Game Informer. Okay. And I'm, I'm wondering if I should just save this list and we can go through each one every week or something. There you go. So we'll start at number one here. Um, Do they get progressively less fun then? Like this is fun fact number one. It's the most fun <laughs> fact. <laughs> so from here on out, they're less and less fun. I think this is just random order. Okay. I don't know if it's like in terms of how fun they are. Okay. Unless you want me to start at the, at the back. <laughs> no, just all right. Asking. This is number one on the list. The Nintendo Comboy. Has anyone heard of the Nintendo Comboy? Convoy? C-O-M-B-O-Y. Comboy. Comboy. No. Comboy. No. Or maybe maybe Comboy. Comboy? Comboy? So this is what it says about this. South Korea put a ban on Japanese cultural imports following World War II, and it wasn't lifted until 2004. That didn't mean South Korean gamers didn't get to know Mario. Uh, Hyundai Electronics distributed Nintendo's products in South Korea. The NES was called the Hyundai Comboy, which was superseded by the Super Comboy and the Comboy 64. Damn. Oh, now you're now you got me thinking about what was the the there was a similar thing for China um, in the early 2000s because the N64 was never released in in China in China. But there was it was a similar thing where it was another company in China that partnered with Nintendo to make it the hardware themselves on their own land. And then uh, mm-hmm. they could sell that. Oh, what was that thing called? The, Amicom? I, the, the IQ or something like that. The or like EYE QUE or something like that. I think that's what it was called. What was the it's apparently a piece of software. Chinese Nintendo console. Yeah, the IQ. I Q U E. Um, it was a. Uh, I think it was all on the controller itself. This is like the actual the Chinese version of the Nintendo DSi. There is an IQ DSi, but the IQ player is oh, the okay. size reduced Nintendo 64 console using mm-hmm. system on a chip technology. It plays N64 games ported specifically to the system. And the only reason that I know that is because. <laughs> There was uh there was a period of time for the any percent speedrun for Ocarina of Time that t- the Chinese version of Ocarina of Time <laughs> was the fastest because mm. of the uh, text boxes. And it also I think was slightly more powerful than the N64, I think, because it came out a couple of years after the N64 was already like mass produced and distributed. And it uh it ran uh cutscenes in Ocarina of Time at least uh laglessly. Wow. This controller is Oogley. It looks like a Dreamcast controller. And that is Oogley. <laughs> oh. I like the Dreamcast. <laughs> the the design of it? Yeah. Hell oh, yeah. And oh, the okay. games too. Alright. I like the gimmicky ca- the, game stuff, own. man. The cable coming out the bottom is is not a good idea though. It's not the worst. Uh... Like it's it's I don't know. So it's some like, people uh, do hold the controller up against them. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, that cable is going to break in a couple of months. <laughs> like, I guess right. just anecdotally for me, I don't. So I don't think it's a problem, but I can see why it would be. We'll uh, move on to the next uh, fun fact next week. If I remember, that is to put it back in. <laughs> All right. So let's hop into the news for the week. Um, first off, Microsoft seems to think we're getting a PS5 slim this year. This is from The Verge. Uh this kind of came out in the whole FTC versus Microsoft hearing. 
Uh, they think that later this year there might be a PS5 Slim priced at three ninety nine, uh, ninety nine. Um, same as the digital console version, right? Correct. Yeah, PlayStation it says likewise sells a less expensive digital edition for three ninety nine ninety nine, and go. is expected to release a PlayStation Five Slim later this year at the same reduced price point. So that's actually from Microsoft themselves in this in this hearing. Oop, I'm messing up the thing here. Uh, Insider Gaming reported last year that Sony was preparing for a PS5 with a detachable disk drive uh, for September 2023. The console was rumored to be sold on its own without the disk drive or in a bundle, which suggests suggests Sony could be considering making the slimmer version of the PS5 the default. This would allow people to pick with a or without a bundled drive with the option to add the drive later on if needed. Currently, you have to either buy a $399 PS5 digital edition or the $499 PS5 with a disk drive. Uh, but there's no option to connect an optical uh, drive at a later date. Um, this Now, this this one says September 2023. We're pretty close to September 2023. Pretty damn close, yeah. So unless they're going to announce it then, but that still feels a bit early. Um, Could this be just a hardware revision? So I know this whole thing with the detachable disk drive, but maybe that part, isn't actually going to come out and we're just going to get a hardware revision. It's going to look the same and it might just be a little cheaper or something. Uh, possibly. But how, how do you guys feel about this detachable disk drive? Uh, I mean, I'm fine with it. Uh, I've never been like opposed to plugging stuff in um, until it gets, until it gets a little ridiculous. Like last, last generation I had controllers plugged in. I also had um, additional hard drives plugged in and they were all over the damn place. So it kind of got a little bit ridiculous, mm-hmm. but um, like one or two things is fine. I was actually going to say in relation to the sys drive is I was surprised about how many of like, if you guys, which I think it was like you, Ryan, you don't have the disc version. Right. Aaron didn't want the disc version, but ended up getting it because due to availability, Marty, I don't think wants the disc version. Uh, and I was just surprised at how many people are just like, okay with not being able to kind of go back. Um, and like part of that surprise kind of comes from like, remember before we were talking about how Phil Spencer was saying, hey, this was like the generation to lose because people want to have their digital libraries. But it's like, yeah. but yet, but yet, I mean, it's a small sample size, but you guys are just being like, yeah, whatever. I'll just throw away my my physical game collection uh, up to this point from PS4. Well, because I, I, I had made that decision during the PS4 generation. At the start, right. I was still buying discs and that was partially due to my Internet speeds, right? Because I just need, I, I just, it would take too long to download new games. It would take hours and hours to download like a, a 50 gigabyte game, right? Um, but, but just later on, it was just like, I, I just, I just wanted a digital library. You know, you could kind of feel the winds changing a bit where it's like Sony's going to continue on having these libraries into the future. Um, so that's kind of what I, where I was at, I think. Yeah. I mean, I bought the disc version of the PS5. Because specifically, I wanted to still be able to play my PS4 games, but I've definitely found myself like very rarely going to play anything like PS4 or disc based on my PS5. Mm-hmm. Like most of the stuff that I've been playing on my PS5 are specifically like um, digital games that I've like uh, downloaded and stuff, right? Right. Like from so, PS Plus, you mean like the, the yeah, free game? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I kind of regret it a little bit and I thought for sure like I would have um you know I would have loved 
to have it specifically, but I, I do kind of wish now I had like saved the hundred bucks by just getting the digital one because I, I really surprised at how my use case has changed. I do miss um, finding some like good deals on physical games, you know, like something like Best Buy or whatever will have like a good deal, like a great game for like 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah, and I can't take advantage of that because I'm subject to just the Sony's store on 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 the PlayStation. That's so that kind of sucks. I do kind of only shop the sales, though. <laughs> and, there, and there's so, always a sale now. Yeah. So I have absolutely probably paid for my disk drive on my PS5 by doing that. Riders Republic was like still 50 bucks. I got it for 20 bucks or something like that from EB. Um, and there's a, a bunch point. of other examples, too. Like I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I haven't played yet because I'm scared. Um <laughs> <to> its length <laughs> but i got that for 20 bucks when it was still 50 bucks and there's a few other examples of that where i have also we used to play fallout 76 and um until i upgraded it to the digital version because i bought like some package deal when it was on sale that came with the the digital version but i was still using the disc version for the majority of covid so i i definitely i've definitely like yes i paid out 100 but i probably saved over 100 over the over the span of its life so far I have the Xbox Series X, and that has a built-in disk drive. And I've actually been utilizing that, not for games, but for 4K uh, Blu-rays. I've, I'm, I'm kind of like dabbling in it. I'm not a big, you know, 4K physical disk kind of guy. But I've just been having fun experimenting with it. I mean, Matt, I've, I've talked to you a ton about my trials and tribulations of 4K, particularly HDR. I was going to say HDR, the HDR like, darkness my problems. Ass forever and the sad thing about hdr is if you want a truly good hdr experience you need to buy like a two thousand dollar tv <laughs> and then a really good um 4k player of and then some a cable sort. good cable you need yeah you need the good cable and everything so it, it sucks in that sense but once you get it working it's it's just incredible um it is it is definitely i don't want to say worth the price because it is a bit high of an entry price but it's it's when you see good hdr you're like damn that's some good HDR. <laughs> and then well, it's like you you see it and you're like, oh, this looks nice. And you see it without HDR mm-hmm. and you're like, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like when um I would I would uh be playing like Spider-Man on my PS4 with HDR. And then when you would record a gameplay clip, it wouldn't save the gameplay clip in HDR. So when you go back and watch the gameplay clip, you're like, oh, oh, well, these colors are so yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh OLED changes your life as well. Once you go OLED, it's like every other TV looks so inferior. Yeah. Um, so that's a danger. <laughs> don't get <laughs> don't get caught up in that, kids. Actually, no, do because it's probably the future of all TVs at some point. Once what? the price once the price comes down, all TVs will be OLED or so. So wait for the price grand. to come down and then get into it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how it always works, right? Well, you you were you you said to get into it, so I'm saying like you, might, you, but you money, might as well wait. It's your money. Do what you want. How about that? That's how it should go, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is also interesting here, though. Microsoft's prediction also has a footnote that says Sony is also anticipated to release a handheld version of the PS5 later this year for for under $300. Now, this is from uh, uh, The Verge. They added on, which isn't fully accurate. Sony is planning a handheld device later this year that can run at PS5 games by streaming them over Wi-Fi from a PS5 console. Microsoft doesn't cite any third-party sources for the PS5 slim timing or pricing in its findings of fact and conclusion of law document. Um, yeah, I think it's un- I think it's unlikely that Sony is going to launch like another Vita or PSP, like a PS5 portable type of deal. 
uh, I think they were definitely talking about that handheld thing. But what do you guys, Matt, how do you feel about the $300 for that streaming handheld <laughs> device? That's lunacy. Like it's, I'm sorry to say this, but that's DOA. Uh, I, I have I, no, there's no doubt in my mind that that thing's DOA. I haven't read a single article that anyone is happy with that price point. Like I've seen people like literally writing, like titling articles that they're delusional for putting it at that price point. <laughs> but what do you, are people excited about the tech though? Does anyone want this thing? That's the other thing is like, are they just trying to create a problem and then solve that problem? Like what's the, are they trying to convince themselves that this is a product that people want? It almost seems like they don't understand why the Switch is successful. Or the Steam Deck. It's like they think, oh, people just want a, a, a device in their hands. Yeah, People yeah, want to yeah. play the, the game and the device on their hands. It's like, no, that's not what it is. That's not what people are here for, no. Yeah, so maybe it's just a little misguided there from them. Uh, I will not be getting one for $300 American because that will be like four fifty Canadian. I will not be doing that. Um, it's just one of the situations where you wonder how did it get through so many rounds of R&D and like QA and, and all this stuff without somebody being like, is this a bad idea? <laughs> yeah. Do we know what we're doing here? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting, though, that, that Xbox has always kind of stayed out of the mobile space um, up until now, because like I guess Game Pass, you can stream on your phone, but um, they haven't they never made their own handhelds and they're staying out of VR, too. So that's interesting. I think Microsoft has had uh, its fair share of failures with mobile. Like they've had, what was that one? It wasn't even Windows Phone. It was, uh, there was a Microsoft phone that came out and it just flopped super hard. Um, it was like back in the days of when people still had, you know, sort of dumb phones. And then I think smartphones were emerging. Dumb and phones. then, <laughs> yeah. And then now, or like more recently, I guess, uh, with Windows Phone, where it just it just collapsed. Not to mention, even before Windows Phone, they had like Windows Phone Seven and or Windows Seven Mobile or whatever the heck it was, and all those things didn't do so well. So maybe they're just like, okay, like the mobile the mobile market is not our thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a there's like a delay in my camera, and it's really kind of like bothering me because I I can see my <laughs> eyes moving. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I don't. Yep. Want- I, I turned off the mirror uh, functionality because I wouldn't watch the thing. I would just watch myself to make sure I was still like in. So in you, frame. Can't, you can't currently see yourself. I can't see myself. No. Oh, so, so I thought you meant your... like the, the mirroring where it's like it flips the frame. No, I, th- I think they well, I think they call it mirror, but I, I, I could be wrong. But I, I turned off the self view. Mm. All right. Well, um, oh, one thing I did want to mention, the detachable disk drive kind of reminds me of the detachable hard drives on the Xbox 360. Yeah. Um, what, about the, what about the detachable HD DVD player on the Xbox 360? Oh, my God, yeah. Heck, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a perfect example, I guess. I, 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 if, to me, it seems inelegant. I'm not a fan of it, of having this disk drive, what you clunk and you click it onto your console. Or is there going to be like a slot that you then slide it into. Well, if it's a if it's I'm a PS5 a slim, I would assume it's not going to be in the same sort of wavy shape because that thing is not. Uh, I would say. I mean, maybe maybe I'm oh, wrong. That would be but cool I would say as it's, hell, it's, I don't think it's going to fit unless the this other unless this disc drive is also wavy. wavy. Yeah. But then it makes it taller. Yeah. Like no, this doesn't sound right. Like wavy <laughs> definitely discs. doesn't sound right. Wavy discs. Wavy do wavy I want. Discs. Yeah. It's like the disc drive like hole is in like the slot is in like an S shape. And you you put your disc in like that. You gotta like flex your disc. Oh, it can, it can only go in one disc. way. It's perfect. Ruffled. 
I want to ruffle the disc. You want a ruffle disc? Yeah. Because oh. ruffle chips are awesome. It's to put it into your panini press to soften it up a little <laughs> bit before you put it in your DVD player. That's gross. Yeah. So. All right. Next story here. Um, this is according to sources. Assassin's Creed publisher remaking Black Flag, the pirate one. <laughs> the pirate black flag? <laughs> I don't know. This is from Kotaku. That's their headline. I don't know what okay. that is. Uh, according to two source, sources familiar with the plan, who asked not to be named because they were not authorized to discuss them, the remake of the 2013 cross-gen PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 game is still in its earliest stages and will not be complete uh, for at least a few years. A team at Ubisoft Singapore, one of the studios that has led development on Assassin's Creed franchise, uh, franchises evolving ocean tech, will be heavily involved in helping to modernize the Caribbean-based sailing game. Um, Matt, this is the game that uh, died on you and kind of killed Assassin's Creed. Is this the great triumphant return of Matt to Black Flag to finally th- finish what you started? I saw this headline and thought, like, at during reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, I could probably do that. And then I kind of, like, let it stew, and it's probably a no. <laughs> oh. I've, I restarted that game three times, like, and I can still remember most of the missions because I've done them three times, and I just... Yeah. There's some of them that are so fucking monotonous. Like I'm so sick of following somebody through a city and they keep turning around and it just drives me nuts. Yeah, they just turn around and then they stand there. It's like, no reason for them to be suspicious. They're being followed or anything. They just turn around. It fucking kills me. It's in every Assassin's Creed game. Uh, Tim, you you used to play Assassin's Creed regularly, right? That was the last one I played. So how do you feel about this? Where's your... Uh, uh, That's pretty sick. I love Black Flag. It's like one of my favorite open world games of all time wow like it's really it's really good i really enjoyed it um aside from the monotonous sailing missions but the actual like free roaming like sailing 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 seas and stuff mm-hmm. if they're doing a proper like rebuild which it sounds like they are if they're going to spend years doing it yeah if they're doing a proper like modern rebuild of the game my hope would be that they would add some new features and stuff make the tailing missions less monotonous um add some new features to the game, possibly some new story, like side story content. Cause th- there was a, a whole side story. I think in that game, if you pre-ordered it, um, that you could do to, it was like a particular Island that you would follow a treasure map or something. And you'd kind of follow the story of the pirates who were there before you and like left the treasure. Right. Um, and do some special puzzles and things like that. I'm not sure if that's like available on, other stuff now because I, I thought that was like a pre-order exclusive thing but um more stuff like that would be kind of cool because i found like i did um i did 100 that game but the it, it was like kind of a monotonous task to 100 it because of having to like go around to every every island you know and collect every chest on every island and get every page of like the musical chanties and stuff that you could collect and and all that stuff every ac is like that if you want to like 100 percent, yeah or just yeah it or whatever and having to go buy the like maps that show you everywhere everything is on all the islands and everything like if they can make it less monotonous and more like make those sorts of things engaging you know um i'm keen because i really like that game and it's funny like the one time that matt wanted to uh i think we've talked about this on the podcast before it was the second or third time that he had really tried playing assassin's creed he was playing it on ps3 and i'd been playing it on ps4 no right so i went to just pick it up and i was like oh don't worry like i'll i'll beat assassin's creed black flag for you because i don't mind playing it again and uh 
you know, then you can see the end of the story and you can have this check mark for having completed it. And so one of the first things I did was go do a naval mission and the <laughs> immediate difference in like doing naval combat between the PS4 version and the PS3 version, I like fired off all the broadside cans in another ship and I was like, wait, where's all the smoke? Yeah, there's like there's just like <laughs> no <laughs> particle effects at all. And I was nah, like, man, said- this is way easier. I can actually mm-hmm. see what I'm doing. So just firing <laughs> off all the cannons and then just having to like wait for a second for all the smoke to dissipate so I can see where I'm going and where the other yeah. ship is. And if I blew their mast off or if I got the chain shot out and they tangled up their flags or set them on fire or whatever else. I was like, this is, this is great. This is so much easier now. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. They'll, they'll definitely have to, I, I, I'm curious if it will be a one-to-one remake kind of in the vein of, um, uh, demon souls. Hmm. Yep. Or if it will be like a, a reimagining, but also, you know, staying true to the, the original game. Yeah, are we doing uh, a Demon Souls, like, uh, extremely faithful remake? Or are we doing like a Final Fantasy VII remake project yeah, type of thing where it's yeah. totally different and like... But uh, Ubisoft has so many Assassin's Creed games on the go. I have to true, imagine... Actually. I would assume that this one would be more of a Demon Souls kind of... We have the groundwork... We have the framing, you know, we'll now even we're use the same it. dialogue or maybe, you know, um, like Metal Gear's um, Delta is doing. Um, so maybe they'll go that route and it'll just be easier. Um, but then you I mean, could still fix some of the old the old school open world kind of quirks and stuff, right? Can I, those, can those I say that? Those were pretty like, empty back then if you go back and play them again. Maybe they should take this time and like, Finish Skull and Bones, not to sound like a dick, but like you're putting well, you're putting time into a pirate game. Like, can you put that staff, finish up Skull and Bones, and then remake Black Flag? The article like went they're on. Oh, go ahead, up on it. I, I'm just saying, I kind of feel like they they know that Assassin's Creed Black Flag will do well. They don't. They're pretty mm-hmm. certain that Skull and Bones is not going to do well. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's just sad. Up. That's but, just sad. In this article from Kotaku, it went on to note that uh, Skull and Bones was inspired by Black Flag. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they, people love that ship combat so much they wanted yeah. to make a whole game revolved around it. Um, so what I'm else saying. did they say about it? Hang on, let me just pull it up here. That was introduced in Assassin's Creed Three, I think. Right? Because you, yeah. you had a ship it, and you went. Right, yeah. Went it was in missions. three, but they were side missions. Like they weren't. They weren't canonical. I don't think. Oh, okay. Or maybe you had to do one of them. Um. There was but, a training uh, one for sure where they took they, you through like some sort of thing. They put it in the game specifically as like a uh, an appetizer for Black Flag. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so this is this is uh, in the article as well. One of the big ironies of this new situation is that some developers on Skull and Bones had previously discussed, at least privately, the possibility of pivoting the game back towards something more like Black Flag. So they were making a new black flag with skull and bones or sorry, the game skull and bones was inspired by black flag. It branched off and became more different, but then they discussed internally, maybe we should bring it back towards black flag, but now there's this rumored remake of black flag. So there's a lot of black flag going on over Ubisoft. Allegedly. I feel like it was like a, a part in, in the assassin's creed. Um, like, series where it felt like it still felt like every game was kind of building off the last one 
Yeah. Like every every Ezio game built off the previous Ezio game. And like Assassin's Creed 2 is far superior in every way to AC1. And like they really kind of Black Flag feels like the moment where they kind of had everything right, like for what they wanted to do. Now that it's mm-hmm. a perfect game by far, it's like we already mentioned some of the like problems with it. But um, I just wonder about, you know, like it seems like they got a little experimental after Black Flag. And to me, Black Flag feels like the, the crown jewel of the old style Assassin's Creed games, similarly to how like um like Wrath of the Lich King is widely considered to be like the best expansion <laughs> for World of Warcraft. Like right. it was kind of a long time ago and everything feels like it's yeah, it's Assassin's Creed, but it's no black flag, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh one thing I'm a little disappointed about is I kind of just wish, and maybe this is that OCD thing kicking in again. I wish they remade the first game and then went and remade the SEO trilogy. You know? Again? <laughs> Well, they haven't remade them. They just HDified them, right? I do take issue with game companies just like going back and remaking all their old games while they're still like making new games in that series. <laughs> that is a little bit weird. I I it happens it's happening a lot now and I really friggin' hate it. <laughs> like uh, for some it it's like fine, right? Like the Mafia games for example, like the first Mafia came out in 2002. That's worthy of like a remake right it's been a long time it's not like the biggest series they're not really making new mafia games so to go back and like remake the first game in a way that they can more have like a like a complete rebuild a modern reimagining of like an old game like yes but when like you can still go back on your ps4 you can still play black flag it's still totally fine right Yes, that's true. Hundred percent. Yeah. When a game is like modern accessible, like you can absolutely still you can just buy it on the PlayStation Five store, I think, and you can just download yeah. it now. But if it's locked, like you're right, like Mafia, the original ones, like PS2, P- Xbox, and one of them performs really poorly, and then the Xbox or the even the PC game, like all of them are incredibly difficult, really, really dated. It's like okay, this is. This isn't how we game now. <laughs> yeah, like bring a, bring a classic title to the modern era. Like, I think that's that's totally justified. But if you're just like going back and remaking like a game while the series is still going just to like kind of cash in on the nostalgia, it just doesn't like, I don't know. It just doesn't really sit right with me. Like, I'd be I'd be kind of. I would much rather have a black flag remake, weirdly. I don't just use it as an example of like a game that's still like playable, but I'd much rather have a black flag remake than an AC one remake, because at that point, AC one is the format of that game is so dated now. Like it's just not fun. Even if it had new like graphics and uh, you know, like the parkour mechanics and animations and mm-hmm. things like it's just not, it, it wouldn't be very but engaging. I'd want to remake in the sense of how they're doing the resident evil games. Just completely change it up. Yeah. Don't necessarily follow like again. It's the, it's the Demon Souls or the Final Fantasy VII. I want the Final Fantasy VII version, re- Final Fantasy VII remake version of AC One. Yeah. yeah, and that like at that point, that's like really the only thing where I can be like, yeah, that's like worth doing mm-hmm. because why would you want <laughs> you know just AC One again? And I mean that you would have that that audience right that would be like. Uh, oh, I, I love AC1, but it's a very small 
<laughs> you know, yeah. minority of of the uh, of the AC fandom. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's different. Like movies are different. Obviously, they make they remake movies all the time, but their old movies still look good because they're filming the real world. There's no graphical change that's happened other than the clarity of the film, right? And if you if they're, they they filmed on actual film back then, and that can be rescanned at higher resolutions. Uh, a lot of the times they'll just take the old original 35 millimeter film, scan it at 4K, and then boom, you got your 4K Blu-ray. You know, uh, but games they look as good as as they originally made and are going to continue to look that bad by today's standards. You know, and AC One definitely looks a little little crummy. And it looks crummy, the, and it, it it's a dated or I, I don't even know if I want to say it's dated. I, I almost want to say that. Well, the gameplay doesn't were, feel good either, though. Well, it's, it's like, the it's definition. Just, it's, it's not of really them, a good game. <laughs> no, it's like the definition of them getting their footing, though, because yes. we had games with more complex mechanics back then. Yeah. Whereas like AC One was like, go to this city, play one of the mini games, now play another one, now play a third one. Okay, <laughs> go after the target. Okay, yeah. back to the main, back to the big castle, and repeat. Right. And so, like that, it kind of felt like they didn't really know what the gameplay was going to be, and then they kind of made this huge world. They had all this marketing push. They had all the future stuff with uh, Stergo and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, okay, you know, what's it's almost like the game was an afterthought. And that's what they came up with is what it kind of felt like. Yeah. I will say, though, that I don't want remasters of any Assassin's Creed games when there's a fuckload of Assassin's Creed games coming out. Yeah, that's a weird thing. eh? That's pretty weird. Because it's not I mean just one feeling it, weird about them, like kind of cashing in on old remakes and nostalgia and stuff. And it's like you're doing like three major projects right now. But I think um, we, we, we've we've heard reports, though, that like Ubisoft got kind of worried because their only really profitable franchise has been Assassin's Creed in the last couple of years here. And so they're like doubling down on it on Assassin's Creed. Now, they do have like Star Wars Outcast coming out. They do have the um, Avatar game coming out. We'll have to see how those perform, you know, but uh, they're trying to play it safe, I think, and just say people want Assassin's Creed. Here you go. Here's all the Assassin's Creed. Here's a billion of them. Yeah. The division, the division made money though, right? Like, there's still people that I'd religiously imagine, play the yeah. division. I'd have to so imagine it's like, it did. Yeah. Make make a third division game. Like the, the the division two is a prime example of them taking the first the first game, taking a whole bunch of feedback, and then completely revitalizing the series in in it in the same formula. It still very much felt like a division game, just better. Uh, just, and there were some some things that people didn't like, but but like that's like anything else. And then you'll take that and make the third one now. The Division 2 was quite a while ago, but I should clarify that I don't think it was necessarily that Assassin's Creed, the only profitable franchise. I just think it's it's the safest of their franchises and that they their profits might have been going down. Not necessarily that they were losing money on any one franchise, you know, but just that they were not heading upwards like they'd like to see. Right, right. Um, I'll have to reread the reports on that kind of stuff. I can't remember what it was. All right. Uh, I think we talked about Peter Molyneux pretty recently in either last week's podcast or the one before. So <laughs> I, I was I was happy to see this story come up. Um, Peter Molyneux says the next game, his next game includes something no game before it has ever had. The most Peter Molyneux statement yeah. ever read out on this fucking yep. show. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this is from the GameSpot article. They added Molyneux, known for hyping his games, has returned <laughs> to hype his next game. <laughs> Uh, speaking to Game Reactor, Molyneux said his next game has a mechanic that has never, quote, never been seen in a game before. 
I feel like we are exploiting that mechanic in a world and an environment which may be familiar to people. And because it is in a familiar environment, it'll be a lot fresher. I don't know what that <laughs> I don't know what that means. And a lot of this <laughs> is very mystical because I'm trying to avoid to tell you what it's like, but it's going to be a lot more like a kind of fable, black and white, dungeon keeper kind of experience. Uh, end quote. So those are uh, not those are nothing alike. No. <laughs> what black like what is that nothing mean? like fable? What what's black and white? What is that? That's an RTS game where you play a god, I think, you or play, something. You like play that? as like a god, and you have these. Like, I actually watched a like a behind the scenes, uh, like uh, I think it might have been a no clip documentary on black and white and like mm. Lionhead Studios in the early days, and um, it's actually really interesting. I never played black and white, but I can see why people love it so much because it really is like it's it's like an RTS, but you you operate like on a planet and you control these like little creatures from sort of like a god perspective and you can like change things in the planet to like mess with their lives and stuff and you really like change and determine what happens to them and the environment and things and it's typical like lion head like cheeky humor with a lot of the stuff and um so well, i don't know what they mean by like fable slash uh black and white kind of thing all slash i can dungeon think, keepers <laughs> yeah which again is different again like unless they mean specifically <laughs> that it's like cheeky lionhead humor but that's the only like through thread or like making decisions that alter the course of the game which the, they, they the said movies that, had that yeah which, which they said that you know fable was going to have and it didn't end up having so much you don't really end up changing very much in fable aside from being evil versus being good and like what main story characters opinions of you are the one time later in the story you see them Man, I always think it's funny that he's like this. This game, this this, this game is going to be like nothing you've ever seen. But I can't tell you anything about it. <laughs> All I can like, tell you is that you will have no idea what to expect. It just sounds like this thing doesn't even exist. Molyneux uh, admitted that for past game announcement or teases, he would go into more specifics and tell everyone why he believed uh, his next game would be the most brilliant game in the world. But for, but for his next title with his independent studio, Twenty Two Cans, Molyneux wants to avoid doing that. Uh, that people might get ang- uh, very annoyed and angry. I'm not problem here with the there's a typo here. I'm not sure what that mm. was trying to imply. Um, some of Molyneux's latest games have been made for mobile. This next game could be released on PC and console, he said. I'm not saying that we're never going to do it on mobile, but we're definitely leading, leading, leading on PC and console, mainly because we need the power. So they need the power from for some amazing mechanic that they'll blow our minds... Maybe it's, maybe he's making a new genre like the strand genre, a strand type strand type game. Yeah, yeah, we haven't seen many many of those yet. Um, he's only, he's only partnering one. up with Hideo Kojima to make the next strand type game. I think there's only one so far. Yeah, we'll see that. Second take one's off. announced though. The second, yeah, that's true. The second strand type game is there. There will be another strand type <laughs> game. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, you guys are the Fable fans. Are you hoping this is anywhere near resembling that? No, all right. I, I was well. I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, like, uh, was it Molyneux that had had that mobile game? Maybe still does. Where you walk down a road, and you just keep walking down the same path, and you meet other adventurers on the path. Have you guys ever played this before? Uh, vaguely, no. vaguely sounds familiar. So it's the like one this that game I know was like the tapping on the blocks to get to the middle of the cube. No, so okay, so I don't know if this is Molyneux. I thought it was. Maybe it isn't. But 
it's a very Molyneux type game, I would say, where you you start out and you just kind of walk down a path and you keep walking, walking, walking. And there's people there uh, that you can they can go fast, like they can go past you. Some of them will be slower. So you go past them and you have like I think it's like stamina and stuff like that. You can get better gear. You can stop at certain sort of roadside stops. Eventually you can build your own town. Apparently I never got that far, but I got like pretty far to the point where like I was hitting some like pretty large towns, if I remember correctly. And I played it with a group of friends um, and you, we in college. And it's just like a game where it's just like go down this path and like, you know, adventure. It's like, Oh, now we're in the mountains. Oh, now we're by a river. Oh, now we're in the woods. Um, and it was kind of like a social, a social, whatever of the, of the earlier two thousands um, or maybe even 2010s. But like, I, for some reason, I got like a really big fable slash Peter Molyneux vibes from that because it's very similar to the connect fable or whatever it is. And so the journey. Yeah. And I, I don't want either of those experiences. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm kind of worried about this a little bit. I was just going to say that I, as much as everyone gives like, like Molyneux a hard time for being kind of like very, eccentric and frustrating in interviews and things like that like i genuinely really really enjoy fable one and two like the, that Lionhead, that era of like Lionhead studios games are some of my favorite rpgs of all time so like i've got high hopes for this next like actual fable that's coming out um but i don't know if they'll be able to like match the actual vibe of those old fable games and i would I would genuinely like to see like another Molyneux RPG, um, but I have no idea what like a modern version of that would be. Kingdoms of Amalur is the very first thing that popped into my mind. That was it says different though because that was that changed scope mid production. Like that game was supposed to be an MMO, and then it became oh, a right. single player RPG. So that's why the world oh my god areas feels, feels so, so wide and open. Wow, that makes so much sense now. Yeah, yeah. I always I struggled like to play that game. <laughs> and then I finally went back and played it again on stream and I actually got all the way through it. And it is actually a decent game when you get into like the end game and stuff. Hmm. It is actually genuinely pretty fun. Did you play Re-Reckoning or whatever the, the remake? Not in Re-Reckoning, no. I, I don't um, gen- HD, I, I don't actually know like what that is if it's just like a updated HD version. Port, yeah. Or if they actually Because that came out in like, PS3 360 era, right? No, not the re-reckoning. That was no, like no. But I mean, ago. originally. Oh yeah, it was uh yeah three sixty era. Yeah. And so then maybe they just wanted to. I don't know HDFI. Well, because it would have been seven twenty back then. I already had it on PC anyway, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's it for the news. Moving on to what we're playing, Tim. What are you playing? What? 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 What are you playing? Um. Yeah. So I. I... I don't think I was on last week. That's right. Possibly the week before as yeah, well. You, you banned us. I uh, started <laughs> and finished uh, Mafia, the definitive <laughs> edition. Hell yeah. And, four, and Mafia 2. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. I played both of the definitive editions of the Mafia games. Mafia definitive edition being an actual like modern remake. And uh, Mafia 2 definitive edition just kind of being an HD port. Um, man, I went back and I looked at some screenshots of original Mafia from 2002, oh, and they boy. literally they literally look like Sims from The Sims One, like they have oh. just like N64 character faces and oh. shit. Oh man, it's like you look at those, and then you look at 
Mafia, the definitive edition, and it's like, damn, this is this game had a fucking glow up. This game looks so good compared to that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's really good. Like, it's a game that Matt has been, you know, singing its praises for as long as I've known Championing. him. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of the Mafia, and um, I just on a, I know I mentioned it like maybe a month or two ago on 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 uh, the podcast that I bought it on a whim because it was on a good steam sale and i tried playing it on my steam deck and uh that i was like immediately drawn in by the story but that it wasn't running super well on steam deck so i was like oh i'll have to i'll download it on my desktop and i'll actually like play it through and um i played through both of them on stream and uh just genuinely really good i think i enjoy mafia better than mafia 2 um just because I think the story is a little bit it for me anyway it was more interesting. I uh, actually got more attached to some of the characters than I did for Mafia 2. Um and uh, it doesn't hurt that it looks looks and plays a little bit nicer as well. Um that game has like a really good dynamic where I mean like slight story mood spoilers I guess, but it's like the dawn of the Salieri family always seems like your friend and a villain at the same time. Like yeah. it's just sort of like, man, this guy is kind of a prick, but like, is he just doing this for the betterment of us? Like, is he just trying to make us money? Like what, what, what's his angle? He kind of feels like a protagonist and an antagonist at the same time. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. Like he's you, the way that he acts is like, he's being your friend and he's being helpful to you and stuff and giving you the resources you need. And he's like trusting you because he's giving you bigger and bigger jobs and stuff like that. But at the same time, you're like, you never really feel like you can trust him. And, uh, and yeah, it's, that's a, it's a really interesting, uh, way of putting it. But I mean, I guess you could kind of say the same thing about any like crime drama type, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Type game or, or story, right? Like I've played a lot of the Yakuza games, and you could say something similar about you know a lot of the main characters in the Yakuza games is that you know everyone always clearly seems to be uh, has their own agenda, right? And you never you never quite know who you can and can't trust. But um, yeah, it's uh. It's it's really good. I think the they were both kind of longer than I was expecting because they are you know kind of older narrative games, and so I um I kind of just assume that they're like not these you know gargantuan 60, 80, 100 hour you know story games that we get these days. But I feel like a lot of the time that's partially because they're big open world games when they don't really need to be, and a lot of that time is just padded by like the fluff of traveling places and and stuff like that. Um, so it was nice to just have these, uh, these more condensed experiences with a good story and, uh, you know, characters that you, you can kind of root for or kind of hope, like hope for their downfall and stuff like that. Um, just, yeah. And just fun gameplay as well. I really enjoy the, um, I thought it was going to be hard to get into, but you know, kind of one of the big things about mafia versus something like a grand theft auto is, uh, the driving is is uh, very like simulation based rather than like kind of arcadey driving. So the and the cars are old too, right? Like these games take place <laughs> in like nineteen thirties and forties and fifties. So like you're driving these huge like boats of cars and like clunkers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And uh, man, when you kind of get used to the weight of these cars, like swinging around a corner, 
it's so fun to take a corner in like a huge like mafia car, like uh freaking um you know gangster car with like the suicide doors and stuff yeah. and you're just squealing around a turn as like the car feels like it's so heavy that it's gonna like flip over but you pull <laughs> off the turn and you just keep going and it's like a car chase it's so satisfying it's so much fun it really makes you feel like you're in a gangster movie and uh um and like the even the gunplay is is not too bad like i said mafia 2 is is just sort of like an hd port of the game from 2011 uh whereas like the first mafia <laughs> game is uh a remake rather is a remake of the one from 2002 so it's definitely a bit more modern but even going back and playing the uh the hd version of mafia 2 like it's uh it still feels good like it, it didn't actually like the like driving and the gunplay and stuff didn't feel that dated um it definitely still felt like loyal to what mafia wanted to be at the time and uh differentiate itself enough from you know like gta or other uh kind of similar games at the time but yeah it was um just genuinely a lot of fun and then sort of intermingled with playing um like diablo uh with you guys and uh that's that's kind of largely it oh and then since i've finished playing mafia games i started playing uh, i finally started playing a game that's been recommended to me for a number of years by friends but then also by just people i've like talked to online and stuff um near automata oh yeah <laughs> which uh is really good it's really really good um i've not played a lot of like uh that type of like a j a rpg um but it's uh it's really uh, especially like i haven't played a lot of platinum games like i haven't played any of the persona games or anything like that but uh it looks really good it plays really well and uh the combat is like surprisingly deep like it's definitely one of those games where you could just kind of button mash but if you sort of get like the nuances of uh of the combat and like the dodging and counterattacking system and and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and the whole like you kind of so for those that like aren't familiar with it you uh, you play as like an android character and um you it, it's sort of an rpg in that like you get different chips as you're fighting different robots and stuff that give you different abilities so they're kind of like perks and they'll give you bonuses to different uh uh you know attributes or or playstyles and things like that and there's different weapons that you can find to and upgrade and uh different your, your combos are sort of dictated by like what combination of weapons you're using. So it's, uh, it's, it's cool in that regard as well. Um, so it feels very customizable and you, um, you basically like kind of make your build based off of what like different combination of chips you have installed. And, uh, that's like a, a really like clever way of, uh, having a semi-unique RPG kind of character building mechanic while also putting it within the context of the game and the universe. Um, yeah, I haven't played a ton of the game yet. I've maybe done six or seven-ish hours of it, so I'm still, I think, mm. kind of fairly early on in the story because I've kind of uh, taken um, my time with some things and done some side objectives and stuff. And it's also one of those games where... Uh, there aren't a lot of auto saves so like if you die in kind of like a main area you have to go back to your last save so you can lose some progress that way right um but then it's also in other areas like pseudo kind of dark soulsy where you 
play um and if you if you die you just like respawn at a save point and then you have to go back and get your body again and if you die on the way back there then it gets like deleted and you've lost that progress and the other thing too is that you'll you lose uh what you had equipped at the time so like with your uh your uh, chips that you had installed for your build so you can lose like your build basically if you die in one area and then you don't get back to your body again in time mm. which is surprisingly punishing but that's uh sort of counteracted by the fact that like almost every enemy that you fight will drop like has a chance to drop a chip that would have varying strength and like you know uh perk type uh bonuses and things but that's um that's pretty much uh, been my last like two weeks so oh, nice. matt uh well actually i want to say one thing about the mafia cars that i'm sure you noticed him was uh because cars were so new you could really tell like going from the low-end car to the high-end car and then as the story like progresses through the years the cars that were new become like kind of clunkers and then if you're like you know in in a car car chase or something and you run over and you're like shit the only thing i can pick up is this like 1919 piece of shit and it's 1934 it's like this is considerably worse like even though it's only you know in relation like a few years like this is really bad like i'm gonna get away in this piece of crap um (laughs) that was a good detail in in the first game is that there's there's a lot of like time jumps in the first game and like as you're going through the time jumps like newer and like you'll notice newer models of cars on the road yeah so you'll see the old ones and then you'll see the new ones and then you definitely get that like like you say that sort of comparison between like a good car and an old car an old car that was a new invention <laughs> so yeah so it's a real it's a real big piece of shit at yeah, that you point you feel the refinement as the years goes on yeah <laughs> yeah um but uh as for me uh i have been doing um the Fortnite here and there uh i have gotten to level like 35 ish i think in Fortnite. i don't know about you ryan but like they seem to have kind of laid off the what i would say the probability or whatever of the end circle ending in the jungle which is nice like we seem to end in different areas more in the arctic a couple times and stuff like that again it could just be probability yeah. but yeah. it kind of feels like at the very least we're getting better roles or they've lessened the amount of times it'll go toward the the jungle which makes sense if it's to get us to use the new biome but now that the season's kind of getting on it'll like lacks that um but other than that uh did a quick session of divinity 2 i'm in the last act i did look up how many acts there are um so i am in the last act a game every time i play i get i get a headache um because there's just too many there's too many damn things and the same damn thing happened again i went into a location and i'll like try to be vague but i went into a location and there was a little, little bit of a quest there you know talk to some characters do some things and one of the characters left something open ended i was like oh fuck here we go and that never showed up again for a while and then come back cuz like it's like that thing i just said happened weeks ago when i played the game um and or maybe 2 weeks ago and then in this session, I come back to the same location. It's not even that open-ended thing, so there's probably even more stuff to come. But I find out that there's a sewer right near this location, and this sewer is fucking massive and has a huge implication in the story. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I'm like scared to leave an area in this game because I'm like, oh, it's just an unassuming house. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, there was an incident in which I broke into a house because there was no one in it, and it was easy to break into. So I broke in and like started stealing some stuff to sell and i went 
at random to go do a quest right after. And that random person had the key to that house. So I don't know. I don't think he lived there. I think he was also kind of a scumbag because um, I'm playing as an outlaw character. So I'm, that's why I'm breaking into things. And that game is fucking wild. Like it's it, it's Larian is is nuts. It's too it's too much content in one area. It's too many details. It's too many like branching pathways. I commend them for it, but holy crap! I'm used to a Bethesda game where I kind of show up and be like, "Where's my Where's my next quest marker?" That's what I'm used to. Not like, well, I hope I hope that like this person going, hey, hey, you haven't seen the last of me will end up being like a four hour fight later on. And they'll be stronger because I didn't do <laughs> didn't kill them now or which has happened, which yeah. has absolutely happened. Um, so. That's Larian games. I was at a talk with a, <laughs> an alligator or maybe it was a I think it was an alligator, but it was the this is this is actually horrible. It was the last alligator and it said it was like the last of its species or something. And I was talking to it and like, again, this is one of these cases where I don't live in this universe. So I don't know like the wars and stuff that have happened, you know, in the lands between or whatever the fuck this place is called. And it like found out that I did something to it and it got super pissed and it tried to kill me. So I had to kill it and I killed the last of its species. <laughs> like oh I, was my God. Have a, I was trying to have a peaceful conversation with this fucking alligator. And it's just like, I, you know, I can't live knowing that I didn't try to take you out. I'm like, well, I don't even know what I did. Like, because <laughs> there's characters in this game where they'll be like oh hi you know like i you know i remember you or, or they'll just spark up a conversation like they know you they'll be like oh you know like how is this how's that and and i'm like who, who the fuck are you like i i didn't live this character's previous life so like i don't know what the hell's going on um but it's a cool way to get give you an in with some characters where you can talk to a character on with multiple with multiple people in your party and then you realize oh this person knows this person now i'll need less persuasion and stuff or maybe i'll even have more options um, and then my headache grows. But um, other than that, I think. Oh, uh, No Man's Sky. I've uh, been doing a little bit of No Man's Sky with a, with a buddy on Xbox. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, he's been really enjoying it. We've just been doing a little bit, like an hour here or there. Um, but he's been really enjoying it. We've been kind of messing with the mechanics. Uh, it's a little bit buggy still uh, with co-op for sure. Uh, so we had an incident really? where we, we, fo- oh yeah. So like we followed, this is like one example, but this type of example can be extrapolated to other ones. Um, so we follow this radio signal and this radio signal ends up leading us to a city. So it, it's starting to introduce to us the city running mechanic where you can like build up a city, make decisions in the city and like have them be profitable and you have to keep them happy and deal with their situations. And then like people will visit and you can trade with them and you know, the whole, that whole shebang. So he goes and he starts his city and it tells me, oh, you can start yours as well. Now, this is like, a, you know, a, a multiplayer game that's single player as well. So it's really weird. Like if if um, if I build a base, like so there, there's an instance where I built a base on one side of a lake and my buddy built a lake, built a, a base on the other side of the lake. If I'm playing single player, I can still see his base. But if I'm not on, he can still log in and he'll be in his base and he'll see my base. So it's like our worlds have synced together but we're in different whatever. So what what happens in this game a lot is it it fucks up who's doing the objective and where the objective is. So what it kept telling me, oh, go, you know, go start the construction of this, do this to start the mechanic. But it's telling me to do it in his city. And I'm like, well, I, I can't like he's doing it actively here. And unless it's like some weird instance thing where which it isn't, it's not going to work. Eventually it tells me, oh, there's one, uh, there's one city that needs your help seven hours away, which is on planet. So it's like, okay, 
So I fly up into space, you know, use the pulse engine, get over to it, go down and I start doing the mechanic and it, and like, it is a city that needs help. I get the intro quest, but then all my construction objectives show up in his city. And they keep saying like, Oh, build like the overseer, build this, build that. But they're telling me to go seven hours down the road type thing. And I'm like, well, like I can't do that. So I memorized or like saw what he did. So I just mimicked it. I could do the actions in my city. And it was a little bit more difficult because there weren't markers on the buildings. Uh, but then I like logged out, logged back in and, and joined his world. And now I can see his city. So like his city is marked on my map now as his mine's marked as mine. But the crazy thing is, is there's an office. So you build like an administration, administration building. An administration building allows you to start administering the city as, as, as the name suggests, but it also gives you a portal and your portal can link to uh, your allies, bases, your bases, space, uh, space stations you've been to, those type of things. So you can instantly kind of fly across the galaxy and in, in, in the discovered world and between your bases. And I like made sure I had, I had that administration building built because I was telling my friend, I was like, yo, like if we, like if I log out, log out and this objective is screwed, it won't let me build another city because it's going to think that it's your city, but it isn't it, like it's your city. It's not mine. And I'm not going to know where the fuck my city is. Cause it's within a seven hour radius of yours. So where the fuck is this place? So a bit of a mess that way. And those type of mix-ups happen quite a bit telling you to go to like, Oh, like this objective is in a different system and it's in his system, but I don't have like in the early game and end of a warp engine yet. So it's like, okay, so now what? Things like that uh, happen pretty frequently. But um, other than that, we did a little D4 on stream. I did a little bit of Overwatch with Aaron after that stream. Did a, Just did a few matches. And uh, that was it. It's been my week. Uh, as for myself, um, yeah, just the basics. Overwatch, um, Fortnite, Diablo 4. Um, good news, though. I finally got some Ethernet run over to my office. And so I'm going to have a more stable connection. And I want to try to bring back uh, Mac Mondays and start playing some more hey. Resident Evil Village on my Mac. Um, streaming that out on Monday near 4. 4 o'clock Monday PM. near 4. Near 4 o'clock p.m. Yeah, Eastern. So uh, if you want to see me struggle uh, streaming all by myself, uh, you can watch that. Twitch.tv slash Day One Patch Media. And Tim, where can they find a professional stream? I don't know. I got some friends, I guess, that <laughs> yeah. do a pretty good job. But uh, if you want to see somebody who also has struggled for years streaming <laughs> by themselves, you can watch me at uh, twitch.tv slash the sidetrack, where I, like I said, I'm playing a near automata for the first time. Um, it's going really well. It's a lot of fun. And um, then, uh, like, like we said, on Wednesday nights on uh, Day One Patch Media Twitch channel as well, doing co-op games. We all sat there nodding. We're all nodding. That is true. This is factual information. It is factual. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.